If you didn't need the money, would you still show up to your job? If most people are honest, the answer is a resounding no. Hello, I'm John Weems. I've spent half of my career in the corporate world and the other half in full-time spiritual guidance as a pastor. I respect people of all views and am not here to tell you what to believe. I am here to encourage you to think beyond the check. Welcome to this podcast where we talk about work, life, and demeaning. You'll hear from a wide range of business people from all spiritual views. In this inaugural episode, I'm honored to share the pod with two-time NBA champion, president of basketball operations, and general manager for the Golden State Warriors, Bob Myers. Bob, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what you do now is, is more public, and we'll talk more about it. But uh, let's, uh, let's rewind a little bit. Uh, tell me about your, your first job. Very first job. Very first job. <laughs> oh, man. I think the first thing I did was I was in high school, and my friend's father owned a construction company in uh, East Bay out here. And we had a lot of dump runs, which is this is not a fabrication. This is the truth. We would load up the trash on the construction site and drive it to the Tracy dump or Livermore dump. There's a dump near Livermore lab. And we would um, get out of the car and put the gloves on and unload the trash dump and then called it dump runs. And we go back to the site. That's what we did. And I think we did that for, you know, a summer or two. Um, sometimes we'd, we'd pick up the drywall, they had a bunch of drywall sheets, and you had to carry that over to the to the site they were working on. So I, that was probably the first real thing I did. Um, I'm glad I did it. It's not, it didn't strike a nerve as far as this is what I want to do. But every, in my, you know, now my greater wisdom of 42 years old, I would say that manual labor, uh, and I could say this for, I guess, suppose men and women, some form of manual labor is a healthy thing to do at, at a young age uh, to help somebody understand what it looks like and what it feels like, and that that's a profession many people choose, and um, it's a very difficult one. Arduous, hard, and physically hard, but uh, the hours were early. Woke up early, got to the site, and then um, you work. You don't. There's no shirking duties on the site. If you don't, if you don't pick up the stuff and move it, it doesn't get done. So it's for me, it was good. It was a good experience. Yeah. What What was the first job you dreamed of doing? Yeah, you know, I wa- initially, what, growing up, thought about being a teacher. That was probably my first thought. Lawyer was a thought. My uncle's a lawyer, um, but I didn't really know why I thought that. That was just a Something because you get asked as a kid, what do you want to be? You don't really know many jobs. And my brother said something interesting to me um, recently. He said, instead of asking our kids, what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. We should start asking them, who do you want to be? Which I think is pretty profound. Um, I think we spend too much time on what type of profession are you chasing instead of what type of person are you chasing to be? And so um, I did think about being a teacher. I still think at some point maybe I'd want to do something like that. I've, I've spoke to some classes, some business schools, some law schools, but um, I initially had a thought, I loved English, of thinking about being some kind of teacher, maybe at the high school level. But that was, I wasn't a six-year-old sitting here going, I want to be the GM of the Warriors. I didn't think about the NBA. I wasn't a good enough basketball player. Um, just a regular kid, and teaching sounds kind of appealing, and I didn't really know much else. As uh, as a parent for for Kayla and Annabelle, that question of of not what do you want to be, but who do you want to be, how do you apply that lesson in your parenting with them? Well, you know, just like you probably do, John. I think that um, 
you don't have to look too hard in society to see that what we equate to success is often not success. I mean, we use this loose label for that person's very successful because they're rich or because they've got some great title. When, in my opinion, um, I'm not sure that's my definition of success. I found a good one. It's always, I'm always curious as to how people define success. Mm-hmm. And one that I liked was for the people that know you best to love you the most. So I think that's a way of keeping yourself um, accountable because you can appear to be successful. And uh, again, with the climate right now, you're seeing a lot of people that have been doing some things that are inappropriate. Um, and it's being discovered. And so prior to that, people would say this person's highly successful and they've got it all figured out. So you learn a couple of things. I've not met anyone in my life that has it all figured out. Nobody. And I don't think it exists, to be honest. I mean, I think we all try and some come maybe closer to whatever this great balance is. Um, but for me, if I can teach my daughters, and I think this word doesn't, adequately sum it up, but just to be decent people, mm-hmm. kind, caring, empathetic, um, good friends, good daughters, good, good mothers at some point in their life, uh, good sisters to each other. And so that is enough. Yeah. It doesn't have to be whatever people think it has to be. I've seen a lot of people that, again, have reached a point in their life that some would say, was the goal, and it doesn't bring this type of fulfillment that many of us think it does. I've been fortunate enough to be around people that have wealth, that have, like, quote-unquote success in their profession, but I will tell you that there, it's a little mythical to think that that provides great happiness, great peace, great serenity. It, uh, it doesn't. That has to come from you, and mostly you and your family and the people that you're closest to, and Keeping those relationships intact is very difficult. It's great work spent, but raising kids is hard, and I've only started doing it. But I can imagine that it doesn't get easier and that it never ends. Being a good husband is not easy. It's not automatic. You have to work. Um, Putting work into my marriage, putting work into um, how I go about balancing my life, how I am a friend, um, how I treat my friends, how they treat me. So if I can somehow impart a little bit of that to my daughters and they can, I can be proud of them as people, I think that whatever career they land in, or this goes for anybody, it's fine. You know, it's fine. And I think you work hard, you find something you enjoy. And, and um, like I said, that, 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 that is enough on that side. But being a decent person is, is the most important thing. So you'd offer the, the definition of success, uh, the people who know you the best, love you the most. Uh, how does your wife, Kristen, keep you balanced and with so many other factors going on in your life? She's good. I mean, I think, you know, I married someone that challenges me and holds me accountable in those areas. And at times, you know, we, it gets contentious because she wants me around more in my job. And that's fair, right? I think that's what I would like. And she's right. I don't, I don't begrudge her. She wants uh, me to be um, physically present more than more than I can be, which which I respect. I think that's good. I, I think a lot of people um, in what I do, it becomes their life, it becomes their identity. When when no job should do that, in my opinion, your job is your job, um, your family is your family. It's it's not it doesn't have to be the same thing. 
The job doesn't have to consume your life. And I work in a profession, in a specific job, where it's customary for the job to take on more than those three letters. It takes on everything. And so I'm thankful that I married someone that values our relationship more than whatever job I choose. And I think it makes, ironically, or maybe not, it makes me better at what I do. I think when you are able to have some kind of balance and perspective um, in your life, it helps you in whatever profession you choose. But I recognize that I married Kristen um, for my entire life. Jobs are going to come and go. Success our team has is going to change at some point, and that's fine. That's totally normal. But I'm going to have my wife for my whole life, and that relationship deserves most of my energy, most of my time, and attention. And so I'm happy. I mean, when I, when I, um, there's not too many things I think we're certain of in life. I'm certainly not. Maybe you are. Um, <laughs> but when I got down on my knee and proposed to my wife, and she said yes, I think for me it was a moment of, and I don't know how the listeners will relate to this, but for me it was, oh my goodness, how do I feel right now in this moment? I just committed, in my opinion, you know, my thoughts, this is my life, I'm going to spend my rest of my life with this person. Was there any reservation, like right after you choose whatever big choice you make, whether it's a job or career change or selling or buying a house? You don't really know until you've actually done it. You think you know, and you make your decision based on your gut instinct or weighing the pros and cons. But when she said yes, I, I will never forget, I had, there was zero doubt in the choice for me. Um, and I think a marriage needs that because marriage is difficult. So I always look back on that moment, and golly, if, if I can't imagine if I had had that shred of doubt. And it had to tamper it down. And she had said yes. And I would have thought, oh, boy. Or I'm not sure, quite sure. I'm 90% there, and I'll get there. But no, for me, that's what we all should seek, is that partner that knowing what's coming. And what's coming is going to be much more difficult than whatever has come in that moment of your engagement period or your courtship Marriage, kids, it all tests it. It all tests your marriage. And so you need that fabric and that bond to be very strong. Fortunately for me, it was. Um, Kristen is born of great conviction and great moral compass. And so it's all, I'm, I was fortunate that, that that's who I'm walking this path with. So with, with love at a center of the definition of success for your, your faith, work, and life, and that's our, our focus on this program, talk a little about how your, how your faith flows through your life and your work. Yeah. You know, I think faith is an interesting, uh, obviously it's been explored and it will be forever, right? It's been, it's been, it's such a key part of everything. And I think what, what I'm finding now, and then I'll get to my own personal beliefs, but I'm finding people seeking some form of spirituality, um, whereas there was this resistance to at least the generations as we uh, in the, in the times that we're living in today, there's seems to be a resistance to organized religion and things like that. And you say, well, that doesn't mean people are dismissing faith. It just means they want it in a different way. And so for me, I've always had faith and it's been a nice thing. It's, it's been a positive thing in my life. Um, my relationship with God and how I've 
lived it and tried to be authentic with it and watched it because I think we all in our own walk of faith get to observe it from our own vantage point. I never really um, enjoyed uh, the type of faith that was one, oppressive or two, forceful. I always thought you should come to faith on your own. I mean, you should, you should watch people. You should have mentors. You should have teachers, but it should be your own personal journey. Otherwise it doesn't, I don't think it's as meaningful if it's being, if you're being told to do this or told to do that. So at some point we all get to decide, especially as adults, how does this live in me? And for me, um, it's been a calming thing. It's been, it's been a consistent thing. Uh, um, I've, I've, I've evolved in it a little bit. I think with what happened with Kristen's brother was my first kind of tragic. I don't, and I think everybody, my belief is life will test you um, in a very, at some point we all experience tragedy, right? It comes in different ways. Some it's sudden, some it's slow. Some get it when they're 60, some get it when they're 10 years old, some 20, 30, 40. Uh, I had not seen great tragedy or great sorrow um, until Kristen's brother passed away. The immediacy and just the the life-altering and a kind of seismic shift in how I, how my, we all have this foundation of how we think life will go. And just to have it all shattered really... Um, for me, Kristen, family, it was really, I mean, obviously you, you use these words like heartbreaking and you finally know what they mean, right? We use these words of devastating, heartbreaking, um, you know, whatever words you want to choose, but, and we all have this emotional floor. I've said this before. My, my floor was ripped out. Because you don't, I'd never experienced something at that level, um, at that, uh, and and to be around Kristen's parents to lose a son. I mean, you you have kids. It's it's no worse. I mean, that's it. That's that's got to be number one. You don't rank these things as the worst things, but to be that close to that, and I'll and and, and to see it, what it did for me though, and the way it transpired and who he was, opened my eyes to this. There's something more, right? And I knew there was something more, but this cemented it for me that there is a meaning beyond what we can comprehend, and that's okay. Does it hurt? It's hurt like any, nothing I've ever experienced in my life, but in a, in a way that some would say tragedy, some would say tragedy helps you appreciate what you have. You don't choose tragedy. I don't think anybody raises their hand and says, give me tragedy so I can appreciate what I have. Unfortunately, that's what happens sometimes. Or And for me, right after that happened, there's an openness that you experience. There's a vulnerability. There's a rawness that you look at life in a way where you're looking around going, I have not, my eyes have not been open. I'm not seeing all these things and I'm not understanding all these things. So faith blends into all of that because for me, it was almost like, and I don't know if this is relatable to people, but... Mm. It confirmed because the way this guy lived and the way he led his life to be taken like he was, there's only one explanation. There's something else happening beyond what this world is providing. Yes. And for for our listeners who are unaware, can you just share briefly what happened with with Scott? Yeah. So Scott was 33 years old, was 
probably, and I don't, when people pass away young, um, the, or, 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 or old or any age, or especially younger, there's a eulogy, there's kind words said, and that's what should happen. But um, sometimes people leave a, a, a bigger mark than others. Sometimes people live in a more memorable way. And it's not, it's just, it's just what it is. You know people that you say, wow, that person just was unique. And, 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 and I would say that if he was alive right now, I'd tell you the same. I'd say, this guy's just different. Um, how he, the, the kind of the voraciousness which he attacked life, the, I've never met someone, I don't think I ever will, that was so joyous about others' success, genuinely happy and genuinely supportive of the path they were taking. No, no agenda, no angle, but would celebrate. I was, I was talking to one of his friends the other night at dinner who had just been promoted to partner. And I said, you know what sucks? Scott would have made, I said, have you celebrated? And he said, eh, a little bit. And I said, Scott wouldn't have let that happen. He would not have let him, Scott's friend, let the moment pass. And he would have done the same thing with me. I'm not good at acknowledging success or taking a step back and just stopping. And it's not a gift like to throw a big party, but raise a glass, toast, share a moment, go to dinner, go to breakfast, take a walk, and celebrate what just occurred, these little milestones in our life, or big, or whatever they are. Scott was the best I've ever met, because for some reason, there's something inside of us that cheers for failure. It's such a sick thing. And, and it must be innate in part of us where we have to, you hear somebody got fired. Sadly, some people are kind of like, yeah, that's, that's, that's good gossip, or at least I got my job, you know, or I'm glad that guy wasn't nice to me. Just crazy stuff. But Scott was so um, unique in how he was a friend, was a son, was a, was a brother to Kristen, was a husband to Chelsea. So he lived this life where when you were with him, you felt like he lifted you up. He just lifted you up emotionally. He gave you, it was like, a, it, it was like a beacon. He was, he really was. And people listening, oh, it's because he passed away. It's not, it's just not, it's not. And, and, and it, and again, there's skepticism and people say, well, you know, every time somebody young passed, oh, he was unbelievable. You know, his service was, and I, it, it was the things people said. I mean, the one that stuck with me was his friend said he lived, it's like he'd lived life the practical way and it'd come back for an encore. That's how he lived. So it was almost like we all fantasize about going back to high school. Oh, if I could go back and do it again. Oh, I would do this or that. Literally. I mean, if it was the best depiction of how he... He almost was like living in a way... And he wasn't terminally ill. It wasn't... He lived as if he had... He knew his life was going to be short. And he didn't know that. He never said that. But he lived as if somebody had said unconsciously, tapped him on the shoulder and he was born and said, Hey, you're, it's not going to be as long for you. So, so, so enjoy this. So when he was 33, he was on a year long trip and this, this is another thing he was doing, traveling the world with his spouse, Chelsea. I mean, they're literally traveling the world for a year. They, they packed up all their stuff, moved all their stuff out and said, we're going to travel the world. And they were, uh, in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro hiking up and randomly, you know, it's very rare. I think that last time it happened 10 years ago, some rocks came down the mountain and struck one struck him and he was killed pretty instantly. And she was right there. And, and I think, um, 
you know, it wasn't people here killed climbing a mountain. It, you and I could climb the mountain. People, he was in tremendous shape. He wasn't hanging over cliffs. He wasn't doing anything dangerous. Uh, Mount Kilimanjaro's climbed all the time. If anybody does have an issue with it, it's more um, climate-related or uh, height, uh, altitude-related. Mm-hmm. It's not this. This is a, like a random, this is you walking in New York and the scaffolding falls on your head. It's just not common. And so the way he was taken... And the interesting thing is, I wish I journaled. I don't journal, but he journaled. And I think one thing that was shown to me by Chelsea afterwards was he had written, I'm prior to the night prior to to dying, he said, um, I am so happy in a journal. I'm so thankful for everything I have. I can't imagine, you know, a better life. And the next day he's gone. And so it's just, it doesn't. It's one of those things where you just, you have, you're forced to, for, for, and, and, and not in a bad way. You're forced to say something, he was needed in a different way. This was his path, and this was how it was supposed to go. And it's, it's, it hurts for everyone here. It hurts. But I think everybody would say that looking back on his life, this was a plan that was born a lot, long time ago, you know, and so that's, that's kind of his mm-hmm. story. For, for those who want to learn more about Scott, uh, you can Google Live Your Legend, which is an organization yeah, yeah. that he helped start. And one of the core tenets uh, that Scott came to through Live Your Legend was uh, the importance of a core group of five people that you surround yourself with, those you interact with most, how they influence your life. Uh, beyond your immediate family, uh, who are some of those five for you and how do they influence your, your faith and work and life? Oh, man. Beyond my my immediate family, you took that out of the equation. Um, You know, I try to really, um, you know, there's people that have helped me professionally. There's friends that I have. um, But the five people, I mean, I always look back at the people that helped me uh, and supported me and, you know, and, and continue to do so. But I'm of the mind that nobody accomplishes anything really by themselves. So... As I kind of look back, I could say that, you know, I had, like, I'm not, I know it's not allowed as an answer, but my dad kind of taught mm-hmm. me that hard work is, it's important and it's, it's, it's necessary. Feel and free I, to elaborate on your dad, by yeah, the way. I don't, yeah, no, no, it's fine. No, I mean, I think, I think when you think about the people that we, um, you know, we were shaped by, you know, it starts, and my mom too, and, and just my, my family, but as far as, um, Watching someone, I, I love the the tortoise and the hare fable because I feel like today people want instant gratification and that they're not willing to be patient. And I think watching my dad from afar, growing up and just you know the packing the brown lunch and taking Bart in from the East Bay to the city at five thirty six in the morning, coming back, had a very kind of stoic. This is my job. I'm supporting my family. Kind of a generation removed. You know, the, the, the guy that went to work and came home and 30 years at the same company. Um, just the tried and true kind of like San Antonio Spurs have a great thing they call it pounding the rock. Mm-hmm. Just in life, like just chipping away. Um, and then I, you know, I, as I went through uh, high school and college, I had some good friends. I went, to, uh, I went to college and high school with two of my closest friends. And it wasn't the friendships that I think are the best are the ones that don't need to be defined. They're just 
For a guy, it's more like he's a brother. I don't know if you have brothers or not, but one brother. A brother doesn't need. It's just the the solidness of the relationship. It doesn't require. There's no. There's drama, but it never goes past a certain. It's just we're we're not going anywhere. You know, like you're here, I'm here. Um, so I think you know, as I grew up, my friendships were very real. They didn't change much. Um, shared a lot, a ton of shared experiences. And then go, you know, going to college, um, Jim Herrick, their coach, uh, Steve Lavin was a guy that helped convince me that I should even try to play basketball mm-hmm. at UCLA, which I didn't think I could. And so his words, his support, and Jim Herrick, uh, you know, letting me play on the team, walking on, and and then him introducing me to a guy named Arn Tellum, uh, who, you know, I had no job. I sat as as an agent originally. I had no. Um, desk. I had no. I remember starting out going, "What do you What do you want me to do?" And he just, I don't know, figure it out. And so his his kind of mind, the way his work ethic, his c- competitiveness, his tenaciousness. Um, and then Danny met Danny Ainge through him. Um, that uh, you know introduced me to our owner Joe Lacob. Mm-hmm. So as I think about now, the five people, you know, I I would count a lot of it is is family. I have an older brother. It's my mm-hmm. parents. It's Kristen's parents. It's uh, some of her family members. Um, but, you know, I think that it's it's people I work with. It's people I identify with. But I'm always, I mean, you're a great guy. You know, I'm always kind of looking out for the type of people that I think are uniquely good. And I'm a big authenticity guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind... Um, we all are flawed, right? I got my problems. You have yours. But you can show them in a real way, right? You can, you, can, you can be whoever you are. I think we all want to see whoever that is. We're all attracted to people that are just, this is what I am. I mean, you can like it. You can not like it. It's fine. I don't, I'm not offended. Um, but looking for people like that, that are just kind of going through this thing, going, trying to do my best, um, I'm not out here to prove anything. I'm just going to be the best version of myself. And however that ends up, it ends up. And so I'm, I'm always kind of curious about that. And I think I've got a lot of people left to, to meet and learn from. Um, and right now, to, to be totally honest, it's really my job and my kids mm-hmm. and my wife, clearly. You know, So I don't have much time for great relationships outside of that, but... I look forward to kind of things when the young, when the kids grow up and you know having different relationships and but the full attention right now because I chose a career that is demanding time wise I just anything left over is for first my wife and my kids. So for for those who uh, who don't know your, your history as well, so uh, after joining the UCLA basketball team, nineteen ninety five national championship. I'm not bitter at all as a USC guy. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry, there. I married a Trojan. So yes, but uh, you know from from there, and, and you you reference bridging into becoming a, a sports agent, which uh, you did for well over a decade. Shared a little bit about how how that shaped you, what, what you learned about yourself, and uh, if if there you know were any stretchings in your faith during that time. Um. I mean, faith is stretched all the time for me. I think, um, I think it's all about discovery and how we can, the best thing we can strive for is just to be comfortable in our beliefs and our own skin. And I don't think we ever quite get there or I don't, I don't, maybe you have, but as far as 
what I did is uh, on, when after I graduated college, I just wanted to be around basketball, and I wasn't good enough to keep playing. And so the only door open to me was to work with a guy named Arn Tellum, who was considered and, and, and now doesn't do it anymore, but probably one of the premier sports agents represented baseball and basketball players. And all it was for me was what I got to learn was this business of sports because he was involved in it, you know, whether you're negotiating a shoe deal, an NBA contract. And it was a lot through osmosis. It was me showing up and watching and observing how you navigate the business of the NBA. Also, he had baseball, but I was doing the basketball stuff. And how difficult, uh, how competitive that industry is. Um, I learned from a distance kind of what, an, what a professional career looks like for an individual, how unique of a job it is. And I learned it when I was young. So it's actually really helped me what I do now. But um, I'm always fascinated by people that are successful of what, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and kind of watching them work. Like if I were to watch you prepare for a sermon or whatever you were doing, I'm always fascinated to see stylistically what is, what is easy for you. What are, what are the things that you walk around and say, well, I can't believe everybody doesn't know how to do this. We all get something, right? We all get some gift where you say, well, you know, that's just not that hard for me. It might be hard for other people. But it's not that hard for me. Or man, I cannot do my, I'm so weak in this area. I just, it's, a, I struggle with it. How we all kind of take our skills and, and also watching somebody run a business, learn that managing people, which is one of the hardest things any of us have, that have ever done it have to do managing human beings, um, highs and lows of all of it, seeing success, seeing adversity. So I got to see those things uh, in a small company on the front lines in a very public business. And so it was exciting. But the most exciting thing for me was to be around basketball, to watch it, to watch the NBA, to watch college games, because um, I just love basketball. And so for me, like I said, the door to continue playing wasn't open. So this door, as far as let me observe this business of professional sports from underneath someone that was very highly acclaimed and knew Introduced me to a ton of people in the business and met NBA owners and NBA GMs and NBA players. And, um, yeah, it was fascinating. And, but, but I think I went to law school at night, which was great. Learned how to negotiate. I think everybody should try to learn how to negotiate. It's something that is done through practice. Uh, you know, you can read a book, but you really, really got to do it, I think. Um, and developing confidence, having to sell yourself, sit across from somebody, convince them why you should be the one they choose. Uh, all these all these skills that I was kind of thrown into the fire with and also having accountability. Um, when you're working on that side of the business, if I'm representing you mm-hmm. and your contract, there is no one else that you've chosen me. And if I don't do it, nobody's doing it. So feeling that responsibility from another human being that is relying on you to help get them compensated in a small window of their career. So very difficult job, uh, very taxing, uh, very demanding, and was better for a young, I mean, the amount of time, not that this job is much less taxing or demanding, but it was, it was again, it was, we all have this circuitous path to where we end up, but for me, I didn't think I was going to be a 20-year deal or 15 or whatever, but the time I was in it, it was a great apprenticeship for, for this job that I'm in now, um, and, and would I, have, I wish I could have done this job the whole time. But I wouldn't be as good as the, at this what I do now or as I think as qualified had I not done that first, if that makes sense. 
Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with Bob Myers today. I'm grateful to him for making time to slow down and share his perspective. When we return next time, Bob will discuss the diversity and depth of spirituality within the Warriors organization, including two-time MVP Stephen Curry. Until next time, keep working beyond the check.